bringing the attention inward along with feeling the sensations of the body the weight of the body temperature qualities of comfort discomfort feeling the rhythm of the breathing part of the inner landscape One of the aspects of perception is what is called the inner sound, or the nada in Sanskrit. We turn the attention to the hearing, letting go of external sounds, paying attention to the faculty of hearing. And for most people, majority of people, If you listen closely in the background of the the auditory world, the hearing world, there's a subtle, continuous, silvery sound, a continuous white noise, almost like the, the hum of a speaker when there's no sound coming through it, no speaker. a subtle, continuous, ever-present sound, like an inner white noise. This can manifest as a sound, or also, for some people, it's more obvious as a physical sensation, as a sort of subtle vibration, in the skin or through the body. Or even if you're a very visual person, it can be like a kind of oscillation, a a vibratory quality of the, the visual field, a shimmering of the visual field. However we might discern it, this inner sound, this inner vibration can be used as both a, an object to, to concentrate upon, to support samatha, calmness, focus, concentration, also to support vipassana, insight, the quality of an open awareness. And bringing attention to the inner sound, the sound of silence. If we wish to use it as a concentration object, you can deliberately focus upon that, excluding external sounds and thoughts and sensations, to absorb the attention into that. If you do this, then it tends to become clearer, louder. You can often hear different frequencies, different levels of tones within that. And the more that the mind focuses upon that, concentrates on that, then it has an energizing quality as well. As a positive feedback loop. The more you attend to it, the brighter the mind becomes, and the easier it is 
to attend. It strengthens, energizes the quality of alertness. As a support for vipassana, insight meditation, and the development of open awareness, and rather than absorbing the attention into it, just allow it to be here in the background, like the the walls of the, and the, the roof, the ceiling of this temple, all around us, the floor below us, surrounds us, we're sitting upon it, it protects us from the weather, the rain, the sun, the wind. Like a backdrop to all the other kinds of experience. Even as I'm speaking, hearing the sound of my own voice, I can hear it in the background. Continuing, beginningless, endless, ever-present. Or developing this quality of inner listening then, helps to sustain a clarity. As a thought arises or a sensation in the body, the sound is there in the background. We think a thought, the sound is still there. We have a memory, the sound is still there. The mind gets drawn into fantasizing, planning, the sound is still there. So if we develop this as a a conscious presence, it makes it easier to notice those other patterns of perception and feeling, mood, sensation and thought, sound, smell, taste, touch, makes those easier to discern, to be known as events, patterns of perception, arising, taking shape, dissolving. When developing insight, we can use the the classical reflections upon anicca, uncertainty, change, dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, anatta, not self. We can use those in very simple ways, just the flagging, noticing, noting each pattern of thought and feeling, perception by a simple reference, like saying it's changing, or this is not me, not mine. This isn't permanently pleasant. This can't be here, can't be pleasing forever. Another way of developing the depth of vipassana, the depth of insight, to help it be more comprehensive, more complete, more fully liberating, is to use a deliberate 
questions, inquiries. I was talking about how we can challenge the flow of perception and thought and concept, mood, not giving it a place to land. Asking these kind of questions is for exactly that purpose, taking away the landing place. So when we hear a sound, we can ask a question like, is this changing? There's a pleasant mind state, peaceful, bright, beautiful. There can be the question dropped into that silence, into that space. Is this permanently satisfying? Can this beautiful experience, can it please me completely, forever? Can it? Or exploring the different dimensions of self-creation, the feeling of owning, this is my mind, my body. The feeling of being, I am this, I am practicing, I am a person, I am a woman, a man, I am here. Or the knowing self, I know these thoughts, I know this mood, I'm experiencing this feeling of pain, this smell of the, the flowers as they change on the shrine from bright and fresh to less than fresh. I know that experience, I'm the one who experiences that, I feel that, I smell that, I hear that. Or the deciding self, I choose to pay attention to the, the feelings in my legs. I choose to straighten my spine. I choose to pay attention to these words or not. I am choosing, I decide. I'm changing my posture. I'm being patient. And then the narrative self, the stories that we tell about who we are, our name, our age, nationality, our history. Many different dimensions of selfing, self-creation. We can use these kind of questions to explore that. When the mind is quiet, spacious, open, letting the attention rest upon the, the inner sound, letting that be present as a, a surrounding form. You can introduce a question. 
Who is it that's experiencing this? Does this moment have an owner? Who is the meditator? Who chooses? Who decides? Who's the owner of this story? We can vary the kind of questions that we we use. And when we ask these sort of questions, they're deliberately not intended to be uh, responded to, answered with a conceptual thought. The point is not to come come up with some kind of clever conceptual idea, some answer in thought, but rather to let the question challenge the assumptions that are here, to help dissolve those landing places, the assumption that I'm meditating, I'm experiencing, I decide. This is my mind, my body, my feelings, my practice. my good mood, my bad mood. Listening to the inner sound, letting the the presence of that fill the inner space of of awareness into that quiet open space, just like the quiet open space of this temple. We drop that kind of a question in. Who is experiencing this? Who is asking this question? Just drop the question into the space and then notice what happens in the heart before any verbal response arises, any answer, conceptual answer takes shape. Notice, even if it's just for a moment, a second, half a second, tenth of a second when that kind of a question is asked what is it that knows this moment oh in that oh even if it's extraordinarily brief notice the quality of experience at that point it's like the the camera's been t- turned back onto the photographer. The nature of the assumptions about the subject, the experiencer, the doer, are revealed. Oh, oh. That surprise, that wonder, that sense of a belief or a habit falling away, a presumption falling away, notice that. In that moment there's awareness, clarity, wonder, and no sense of self. Even those subtle kinds of eye-making and mind-making are punctured like a, a burst bubble. There's no landing place for those I, me and mine feelings that ahankara, mamankara, no place to land. And as this is explored also, the mind recognizes there are really no things, 
That memory is not a thing. That smell is not a thing. That sensation is not a thing. It's an event. It's not solid, permanent, independent. It's a pattern of perception. It's an event. We use the word thing, even a, a mental thing. The mind creates it as a solid, independent, permanent object. This, this thing. As these kinds of patterns of inquiry are explored, this quality of insight is developed, then there's no, no dust, nowhere for it to fall, nothing for it to land on. The things are seen as empty patterns of perception, transparent patterns of organic change, taking shape, dissolving, just like clouds or mist. They take shape, never stop moving, dissolve, momentarily present, but that's all. There's a form, but no substance. A pattern, but no essence. Sankhara. Empty, void, hollow, like a bubble, a mirage. And when these patterns of perception are very strong, like a physical pain, then it really feels like, ow, that's my leg that hurts. That, that's real. <laughs> that's mine. Ow. That really stings. The closer that some feeling is, or some, some memory, some fantasy, the more it's connected to the kind of reptile brain activity of fear, aversion, desire, or brain, brain stem activity, breathing, just not being able to catch your breath basic body functions, then the solidity, the apparent substantiality of perceptions is very convincing. But we can use this kind of exploration, challenging, in exactly the same way. It's intense pain in the back or your legs. Who is it that experiences this? Does this pain have an owner? The mind says, yeah, it's mine. What is it that knows that mine feeling? Is that a person? Is it solid, permanent? Again, there's, the perception is, can be very strong, very convincing, compelling. But we can use these forms of exploration, inquiry, investigation, Dhamma-vijaya, yoni-so-manasikara. Not giving even those feelings, memories, ideas, moods, not giving them a landing place, not giving them substantiality. 
When the Buddha used the image of the two arrows, a soldier being shot on a battlefield, so the first arrow is that feeling of pain. No one can avoid that. Physical pain, if there's a body and a mind, there will be pain. That first arrow can't be avoided. But the second arrow is that stressing, resenting, negotiating, waiting for it to be over, blaming, complaining. That second arrow is all around what the mind adds to that experience of pain that can be avoided. A feeling of pain doesn't have to be given a landing place, doesn't have to be given substantiality, solidity. Here it is. It's like this. In this way, there can be pain, but no suffering. The ending of suffering that is talked about in the Four Noble Truths is all about the second arrow. It's not about never feeling discomfort or physical or mental painful experiences, but it's all about what the mind adds to it. Dukkha is that training of the heart to not add anything onto those, those particular feelings. Not trying to keep and hold the pleasant or reject and contend against the unpleasant. With physical pain, also we work with it in terms of wisdom. So, feeling a pain in the body, and also recognizing that the body has its limits. So if a certain period of time passes, there can be the recognition, well, this is painful, but the body is really under stress, so... Now it's time to move. So it's quite okay to change the posture, but let that change come from mindfulness and wisdom, attunement to the, the needs of the body, rather than that reacting to the, the second arrow, out of fear and aversion to the painful feeling. We can use the sound of silence in this way, with this pain in your back, or your legs, your shoulders, your neck, wherever it might be. Notice that the inner sound is still present. Let that have its effect. Let the awareness strengthen around that place where the pain is felt. Know it, feel it. Not, not adding anything to it, then if there's a need to adjust the posture, let it come from that trusting in awareness. Let awareness inform the action. And look at the result of that. And rather than from reacting in a compulsive, impulsive way, trying to get away from the painful, 
it's a, a mindful, attuned response, then the action is peaceful and the result is peaceful. We can see this directly. We can know this directly. <laughs>